Hi, everybody. Welcome. This is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and we are... Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome. Welcome. And it's 4th of July, and MG and I decided we both have the day off from our day jobs, and so we thought it would be good to get together and do a freedom. (laughs) Woohoo! Independence Day. Yes. Uh, Yes. And that... That phrase right there does have such yeah. significance for me yeah. in this program, you know. Right, right. The, the independence from my addictive tendencies, my addictive behavior. My addictive thoughts. Yeah. How I live my life. And I really feel free today. Freedom from the bondage. And I like to talk about it, you know, the big book of AA talks about it. It's the bondage of self. And I can remember I had uh, an Al-Anon sponsor that, you know, told me that she would have compassion for me around my situation with my guy, my qualifier. She said, but this was of your own creation. And she wasn't being mean about it, but she just was like helping me to see that this is, you know, a result of my choices. You get, you, you put yourself there. There's a, I watched Eat, Pray, Love the other night and um, in the beginning when she's, first discovering that she's in a place where she doesn't want to be. She said, I've actively participated in every choice that has put me here. And it's true. You know, we don't think so when we're in withdrawal or when we're, you know, when we first find, you know, kind of in the discovery of I'm in this freaking addictive relationship or a addictive place. But, um, yeah, totally. Right. Actively participated. Right. So, um, MG and I thought that we would um, focus on step seven, and we were just talking about it. And, you know, for me, they go together, six and seven, which is we're entirely ready to... um, we're entirely ready to remove all our defects of character. Mm-hmm. Shortcomings. Our, all our, well, the shortcomings is seven. Oh, yeah, Defects yeah. Defects of we're, character, yeah. six. So that work... We're entirely ready to have God remove all defects of character. Yeah, yeah, and that work involves sort of an inventory from what you did in step five. You know, you go through everything, all, all of your, you know, where was I, self-seeking, fearful, honest, dishonest, and selfish. And... Um, you uncover all of this stuff and these patterns and these um, manipulative ways that you you know that we have. I keep saying you, but I don't mean you. I mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. us as addicts. And then in seven is we're entirely ready. No, humbly asked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and why would we need to be entirely ready? Who's not ready? You know, to get rid of their defects. And why do I have to humbly ask to? have God remove them. And I know like for me, my sponsor, the first time we did this step in SLAA, um, you know, she asked me, are you ready? And I found myself struggling with saying yes. Mm -hmm. Because that's a departure from this victim mode Mm -hmm. into a place where I, yep, I have actively participated Mm -hmm. in every single Mm -hmm choice that has put me here and listen you're not ready until you're ready right and we see so many women that come into this program especially because 
in AA, it's kind of unequivocal. You know, you get your DUI. You got to put it down. You know, you know, it's like you have. It's like the the consequences of your actions are more dire and extreme. Not that they're not as dire and extreme in our program. Well, you, and there's no gray area. You uh-huh. can't kind of drink. Right. You can't like, you know, if you like fantasize about drinking, you're not really doing it. But if you fantasize about the about guy, your, you're, you're, you're acting your, out. That's right. You might as well just be with him. Right. But I remember when I was entirely ready and that was with my last qualifier and the I think a lot of women come into the program because they just want to get rid of the pain, and that's valid. And they get some information, and they're like, oh, okay, and then they split. And, I mean, no harm, no foul. I'm like, you know, take what you need and leave the rest. But for me, you know, I had had such a pattern of sex and love addiction, I mean, even from like a young kid. And for me, I knew this was my primary disease once I heard people speak about it and articulate about it. And I was so unwilling to come to SLAA at the beginning because I knew it was hardcore. I knew about the focus, and I just didn't want to admit to myself. I was in real strong denial about it. But then when I came and I heard other women talk, I mean, I felt an instant camaraderie that I never felt with AA. And even with Al-Anon, I mean, I feel like that would be my secondary program that I work because codependency is something I've always had to live with. It goes with hand in work. hand with the with the, the SLAA. Right. And so, but I remember that I can remember realizing that, oh, I'm going to have to give it up. I'm going to have to stop it. I'm going to have to stop participating in this whole dysfunctional dance. And that gave me pause and I had to go act out some more and have some more pain and I think that that's part of our process. It's like we get some information. We think, oh, I can clean up my act if I, like the metaphor I'm going to use is like, I'll just drink beer. Or right. I'll just drink beer on the weekend. Or, you know, after five, you know, I'll have one drink a day. You know, all these different conciliatory Yeah, and it's like the, the milk and the whiskey story in the in the big book, you know. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's got his glass of milk and he says, if I put whiskey in it, it's milk, you know. Right. <laughs> And I cut it, you know, I'm like making it less. Yes, it's less dangerous or, yeah, <laughs> right. it's crazy. It's insane the things we do. So when I realized I was entirely ready, it was <clears throat> such a gift because I was, I completely opened myself to really doing the work and like getting really curious about the work. And I spent a lot of time doing it. And when I sponsor people, I talk about like, be thoughtful about these steps really reflect on what's going on because hopefully, I mean, you're going to do it in in different iterations for the rest of your life, but the first time I feel like is the richest time when you really spend that time to do it. And so when we get to step six, you know, being entirely ready is key. I mean, it's right there at the first part of that sentence. And when you know you're at your bottom and when you know you're entirely ready, you know that. And if you're not entirely ready, I think it's okay to, like like you were saying, pause. Am I? Well, I know, like, for me, <clears throat> and, um, it, you know, it, it shows up over and over again in my life in these, like, chunks of time. And back then, I thought, I don't, you know, I don't do anything else. What am I going to use to... And it wasn't the conscious thought of like checking out, but what am I going to, I had this like, like fear you of like, you don't drink and I'm, you don't yeah, act I didn't out with smoke. Food. And yeah. I was like, what am I going to, 
used to <laughs> make myself feel different. And it was, I remember having that thought. But then um, after a little bit more back and forth stuff, it just the, the, uh, the, the unknown of what my life looked like without the acting out was more appealing than the keep acting out. Right. And that's, it was just very scary though, because I didn't know what my life would look like without, it felt, because it was secret and undercover, it felt like nobody knew and it didn't show and it wasn't, it wasn't significant, but it was. It was, it, was the, it, it impacted all your relationships, I suspect. I mean, it did with me. Yes. Well, and, and that brings up a good point that I want to talk about is that a lot of us in recovery and in self-discovery stay in dysfunctional patterns because they're known. And for me to make a choice to say, uh, oh, I'm, and this victim mode feels comfortable to me, so I'm gonna stay in that because I'm not gonna get hurt. I know what that's about. So the risk of doing something different is the risk of healing and transforming. And it is scary to go and say, oh, I'm gonna do something completely different. But what I have to offer is that if those systems, those dysfunctional systems worked, then, you know, you, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Listener. Right. <laughs> they don't. They don't work. But not they're for not, me. They're not, you, know? they, you can't sustain them for a lifetime. I couldn't. Because the pain just continued to, like, be progressively more to the point where I didn't want to live on the planet. Unlike, forget all this. And that was a, a consistent thought when I was even actively working my slot program. It's like I was really, you know, I love this phrase from the AA big book, you know, incomprehensible demoralization. Yeah. So I was just, you know, I was like, is this the deal? And at the same time, you know, concurrent with that really dark doom thought you know, I had the I, I had the hope of going and seeing these women in recovery, reclaiming themselves and doing amazing things. And we just saw I just saw Alice a little while ago and she asked, you know, how did the podcast sound because she doesn't like to listen to her own voice and I said, you know, I felt like it was good. Our last podcast dealt with someone who was coming off of a relapse and I I say that the word I would use is that it was resignation that she wasn't like exuberant or happy that she had this relapse, but her resignation was, you know, this is the deal. This is why I have to keep working this program and like invest more into it because it'll come right back up. So when you're entirely ready to have, you know, God remove those defects of character, then you can get to step seven. And why do you think that it says humbly? Because we can't, I mean, the first word of the first step is we, and you can't do it alone. And we have to have help. And I think that's why you have to be humble about it because you're not going to be able to, I've never been able to, conquer any of this stuff alone. I, and I knew it the first time I went to an SLAA meeting. I fought it. I resisted it. I did not want it. 
I don't want it. I tried to find a different way. I was like, I don't like those women. I'm not going to, you know. Why is everybody so happy? Everybody's laughing. What are you laughing about? I remember my first probably six months of meetings, I didn't think anything was funny. I thought, why do they think this stuff is funny? This is not funny. Why are they laughing? You know, but and now we roar. You know, right, right. And now I get it because uh-huh. I I can see myself in that same place of resistance, yeah. of fighting, of you know just not you know, trying any other method I could, but working a program around it. Yeah. And for me, that's the humble part of it. Is this is what works, and I'm not gonna. You know, I've. In August next month, I will have 15 years in this program, and every day it is me connecting to someone else. Every day it's me being aligned with someone else, and I'm not going to do it alone. And I have to have that the higher power, the someone else, the program, all of it. That's amazing. I can't do it alone. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, the word humbly means that I have to, you know, the, the, meta, the sort of the physical is like, you know, hat in hand, on my knees, you know, approaching, approaching God, my higher power, however you want to define it, and opening myself to the divine mystery and to say, divine mystery, I don't know what I'm doing. Please help me in some kind of way figure this out. And, you know, have a sense of humility that we weren't able to know what to do. We had no idea. I tell myself and my sponsees, it's like, look, our best thinking got us here. And it's all a culmination of how we were raised and like our, you know, primary family of origin wounding. I mean, there's a lot of different words we can talk about about how I got here, and a lot of it is not my fault. I have to understand that, you know, who I was raised by, the messages I got. But then at a certain point, when I've become an adult, it's on me, and I can't stay in the victim mode for very long because if I can't shift that, it's like, well, who's gonna fix this? It just perpetuates. Right. So I've gotta do the work. I used to blame my, ask my therapist, I'm like, especially around family stuff, I'm like, oh, you mean I gotta, I've gotta be the one that makes a conciliatory gesture? Why? And he said, because if you don't, no one will. And I was just so mad about that. Because it matters to you. Because it matters to me. Like, I wanna work on healing the family dynamics. They might not want it, but I do. And I want sobriety. I want recovery. I want fulfillment. I want meaning. Those little niggling thoughts where every time you think about that family member and you're like, and there's, you know, there's residue. You got to clean it up, whether it's your fault or not. You know, the conciliatory gesture gesture serves you, not them. You're right. You know, I was thinking um, someone had texted me earlier this week and I'm so depressed. And I, I said back to her, I was like, get out of your head. These are your thoughts. And I know this, and I know that, you know, we have this connection, this particular person and I, because it's, that's the same for me. I can very easily languish in detrimental thinking 
it, it is so appealing to me. It's like a drug. It's lure. It's it lulls me. It it seeks me out, and it would be very. And now it it's yeah, indulgent. It, it's it, self indulgent to languish in that uh-huh. ennui of oh, oh he did you know whatever whatever. And now it, when I got to this point, MG, where I was really owned that and was able to. You know, own that. This is, it's my thinking that everything, everything is my thinking. Amen. And when I got to that point where I really understood that and started to work on my thinking and changing my thinking, um, that is the humbly asked. That is the, that is the turning point for me. Mm. Knowing that all of these defects of character, the dishonesty, the selfishness, the self-centeredness, the fear, it's all in my head. And... When I got to that point and really started to change my thinking and work on it on a daily basis, my whole life turned around. Yeah. And I am free and I do feel happy, you know, and I do feel good. And it took care of finances. It took care of the emotional. It took care of family. It took care of my work. Everything. And I'm just so, I, I cannot encourage you enough to participate in your own recovery well and you know you touch on something it's you know part of what's called the new thought movement and I mean it's been going on you know this in like you know in back in the 1900s there's so many like in the unity church they talk about it and it's become like uh, Joyce Meyer she's all about you know she's got a book on thinking your thoughts and you know there's a book recently called the thought exchange like when you know shift your thoughts and that was really one of the first tenets that I got between in, in SLAA when I first started going to the meetings was about, what are you thinking about? And like, if you think about this guy for more than three seconds, you're acting out. And you I was are like, participating. What? what? Oh my gosh. And I didn't realize how much fantasy was such a huge part of my program. And like, it has to be a bottom line. No fantasy. And it's so amazing how that's the one thing in terms of all my like acting out that creeps back up. And I mean, it's like, oh my God, stop it. And so, you know, I've trained my mind pretty much to recognize this. You can train your mind, listeners. You can train your mind to be vigilant. You don't have to, you, you aren't in control of the thoughts that pop into your head, but you are in control of what you do with them. Right. You can stop it. You have to be aware of it. And, you know, you and I have done a lot of talking on this. But I am such a believer in that part of it. And just, you know, that my my work around what I'm doing inside my head is parallel to my SLAA work. Yeah, and I, I have to, like... You know, stay really um, on top of it. And what do you feed. do? What What are you some What are your some of your strategies that you'd use? When you, you know, I'll tell thinking? you one of the things that I. So I'll tell you something that happened recently. I noticed because I'm on a couple dating sites, and um, I was sharing these stories about these dates that I was going on, and the men that I was meeting, and how they weren't of this caliber. They were not men that I wanted to see again, and they were men that lived in the suburbs, and they were men that you know, had these different types of jobs and they didn't have any level of sophistication, which is something that's required for me. And I was just, I was frustrated and I was sharing it. I wasn't always talking about it. And every time I'm on the site, I was like thinking about it. And I was like, this is a problem. 
this is why I keep getting the same guy over and over again because I'm focused on that. Law of attraction. I am not focused on what it is that I want. Right. And so what I started doing is I journal um, 25 times every day. I am ready, willing, and open to love. And I do that 25 times on one side. And then the other side, I attract the perfect guy for me. And that's what I think about. Affirmations. That is what I talk about. That is what I get in my head. And the reason I do the 25 times a day is because I need that repetition. And when I'm doing it, it becomes almost rote. And so that I can like do the thought exchange. Instead of talking about dates that I don't like, I see myself talking about dates, good dates, things that did happen. And I do I'm have like, to well, share one. Good about it. Yes, I do have to share me. one with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell well, me. I, I met a guy, and I don't know where this is going, but I had a coffee date on Tuesday. I had to think like what day it was, and um, it was good. It was really good. There's a lot of tick marks there, and I felt attracted to him. Um, he had a level of sophistication. The values, the important values to me were lined up. And um, he's also a vegan, which is, and he was looking for, he only wants to date a vegan. And I was like, that's so weird because there aren't very many, you know, especially on a dating site. So I don't know what's going to happen, but it was like everything that I had written, I attract a perfect guy for me. And what I think about, it felt like it was met. So, and it really doesn't matter what happens from here on out. It just tells me, that it affirms it. That abil- that that ability that I have to change my thoughts yeah. works. Well, and I say this to my sponsees all the time when they're talking about this situation or that situation where they might be complaining or trying to process it and sort it out. You know, I always, always ask them, "What do you want? What do you ultimately want?" And I found something. I'd done some writing probably like maybe two years ago around my living situation because I was living with a dear friend and I kept as a way to sort of like um, help me transition out of it I was writing down all the things that I didn't like about that situation and and I did a similar process where what do I want and I I wrote down exactly what I wanted and I want to live by myself in a beautiful place where it's quiet and I can rest. And look at where I live right yeah. now. Yeah. And I went, and, and I mean and it's been like over 2 years since I wrote that. And when I wrote and saw or when I read it and saw that I had manifested that, I was just like really pleased with myself because I can remember all the different angst I was feeling around the complicated emotions I had around where I was living. And it's so simple, our listeners, you just say what it is that you want. And, you know, if you can do it in a place of humility and, you know, don't feel guilty about saying what it is that you want, because there's so many opportunities for God to manifest it. For example, I I work with someone and they're in a relationship and they have children and her manifestation is... I want to be alone because of the demands. So I say then start thinking about what it feels like when you're alone. Like think about that and talk about that because 
God can make it happen where you can have an, an incredibly loving partner and incredibly just take them away children. for the day or whatever, and then you're you have alone. You know, that's right. It doesn't mean like all alone. It doesn't right. mean you know, and that's why I need I, periods of time where I'm alone. You right, know? because your manifestate or your affirmation was specific, but at the same time broad. Right. Say it again. What I is attract it? the perfect guy for me. I attract the perfect guy for me. But I know what it looks like. So and that and what it feels. That like. is the most important part of any type of work where you're doing that. And it is the most important part of SLAA work. The first thing that I ask people when they come in and, and we start to work together is, what do you want? You know, what do you want? Oh, I just want a healthy relationship. I'm like, oh my God, that is such bullshit. Like, how many times have you heard that? What does healthy relationship mean to you? And then they get stuck. Mm-hmm. And they've never really thought about mm-hmm. it. If you don't think mm-hmm. about what it is that you want, what you... Mm-hmm. Because... A healthy relationship for me is going to look completely different than what it looks like for you. Listen, there are so many ways that we can love. And that's one of the things I'm so excited about, like the younger generation coming up, where they have like different words for things that didn't exist when I was growing up and like different ways to think about things. And I've got like an open mind about it. But, you know, trying to figure out what it is that you want and what's going to make you happy is your life work. My life work is to figure that out. And I can refine it. My therapist used to say, you can change your mind at any moment. If you go into something, you're like, this is what I want. I want to, you know, whatever, X, Y, and Z. And you go into it, you're like, ooh, no. I'm like, then get out. Like, yeah. stop it. You know, think a new thought. Have you get, a different You get to dream. pick a new one and start manifesting something else. Right. This was such a key part. And it's not in the steps and it isn't part of it. But we do, in, in 12-step, we talk a lot about prayer and meditation. And that's what actually the thought process is. You know, meditation mm-hmm. is training your mind to be quiet, mm-hmm. to focus on you know, I have this app and it brings this dot and you have to follow it around. And it, you know, you can set the timer for however long. And then it tells you at the end of five minutes, you just meditated, you know. So, and it's good though, because it, you do have to learn how to train your thoughts mm-hmm. and, you know, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious content. And if you don't do that kind of work, if you cannot get a hold of your thoughts, then you're just going to keep doing the same thing over right. and over again. You get what you think about whether you want it or not. Right. Change your thoughts, change your mind. For me, six and seven was so much about getting in my head. You know, stop blaming my parents. Stop blaming, you know, yes, there was things that, you know, happened to me as a little kid and that I loved around. But at my age, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with that shit I'm lugging around. I get to keep it or get get rid of it. Listen, I believe that you should whittle down your baggage to one, like, very stylish Louis Vuitton carry-on. You know, like, make it something that's precious to you. And if that's all you want to keep as your baggage, you know, keep it. But, you know, I am so much about, like, jettison and letting go of what doesn't work for me. You certainly don't need to be carrying around trash bags full of old resentments. Negative. (laughs) That stuff smells, it is old, it is trash, and needs to be dumped. Which is leading us to step eight, which is going to be next month, your birthday month. Next month. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to talk to you guys about step eight. I think we've talked a little bit about it before in the past. Step eight is made a list. 
So when I don't, when I work with people, I always like to go, what's the verb? You know, what's the verb in the in the in the in the step? You know, in 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 one, it's we admitted. Two, we came to believe. Three, made a decision. Four, made an inventory. Took a fearless moral inventory. Five is share. Six is became ready. Seven mm-hmm. is humbly asked. And eight is made a list. Make the list. I always tell my sponsees, make the list. I don't care. Don't worry about what you got to do with yeah, it. Yeah, don't worry about step nine. No, you know? make the list. Well, because making the list for me, when I made the list, because I always thought that I was the victim and, and I like, you know, didn't hurt anybody in it. And when I made the list, I saw how I was not able to show up in relationships with all my friends, my family members, myself. You know, so making that list made it more real for me in a different way. And maybe that's part of the reason why um, seven starts with humbly, you know, because it is humbling. The whole thing is humbling. Yeah. But it does work, too. It does work. Encourage you, listener, do it. Do the work. Get a sponsor. Do the work. If you don't have one, email us, you know, for ideas on how to get one. There's, you know... It, we we are like fire hoses of advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can go on ad nauseum, which is why exactly. podcast is perfect. Uh, for us, exactly, you know? <laughs> exactly. You get new uh, new chance every week. That's right. So thank you so much for tuning in for our Independence Day broadcast. We sure do appreciate you tuning in. Encourage you to get some freedom and independence in your life. Thank you. Thank you. And you can find us on our website at www.sobersisterstalk.com. If you want to email us, you can email us at sobersisterstalk at gmail.com. We do have a Facebook page as well. And once I get the pod, once we get them edited and published, I put them on there. So you can find us in a myriad of ways. If you can, if you belong to a Facebook group that's sober, you can share it there. You can like and share us. You can subscribe so that you'll get more of them when they when they pop up. We are on iTunes. So thank you so much, everybody. Happy Ford. Happy Ford.